just past that and it's just a hair's width past that is absolute insanity and you think what drugs was this person taking when they were writing this book hello everyone welcome to spill it it's your host senthal if you're new here welcome again I hope that you will enjoy this episode of reviewing all the books that I've read during the month of August. And I hope that you've had a great month in between now and the previous podcast episode that I released. Before we get into this month's theme, I just want to spread some really devastating news. Um I have been doing the math recently. Not that I haven't been doing math every single day while studying because maths is a requirement of my course unfortunately. Um but I realized that since I'm reading four books a month, which is kind of my quota for the month, it is what you can expect up until I have more time to read and increase that monthly quota but doing that four books a month means that i read about 48 books a year now we're going to round off that number to 50 books a year if we are being very hopeful which i hope to do then according to that number it will take me 20 years to read a thousand books 20 years i will be like 40 years old roughly that's just an average that is i don't know about you but that's pretty scary so i hope that maybe motivates you to start reading more um it's pretty sad fact to think about but i thought that we just put it out there that reading does take time and effort and if you really want to get into reading and you want to read enough books to consider yourself well read then it's quite an ambition okay moving on from that depressive subject the theme of this month's podcast is sci-fi and fantasy i do enjoy sci-fi and fantasy especially with the books that I've recently been reading I'm so excited to be doing this episode um also because I've been looking for more I would say a different variety of fantasy than I would normally be exposed to um especially in my teenage years where I only used to read young adult fantasy and I don't know about you it's not a very broad sphere of fantasy and sci-fi so I'm super excited to be trying out new things Sci-fi and fantasy is also a great way to look at what type of world building you like do you like soft world building where it's only certain elements of fantasy and sci-fi that come into the world and it's mostly on the world we have today or a period sci-fi so it's part sci-fi from um 
a period before now or do you like hard world building where it's a whole new world and people make a whole world with new names and rules and I would say rules of physics and science and fundamental principles that where people can totally just scrape the ideas of what the universe is and create something new so that's one of the interesting things that we can look out for when reading sci-fi and fantasy and without further ado let's get into the books that i've read this month for those of you who enjoy cleverly thought out crimes robberies heists for those of you who like con artists then i have the book that you have been dreaming of and that book is the lies of loch lamora by scott lynch how do i put this book into words um basically it's like a really funny witty elaborate crime um where this group called the gentlemen bastards um led by this man called Loch Lamora um steal from the very rich and keep the money for themselves <laughs> um so basically they're just thieves but the way that they steal is set out um these elaborate plots with disguises and many characters and um it takes years of planning for them to commit a robbery and this happens in this city called Camor and it's entirely made up this is a very hard cut world building uh, book there are many new words and names i'll get back to that later and in this world in the city it is run in a way where the thieves are kind of collaborating with the nobility to keep this balance of peace and on the criminal side the highest order the highest authority on the criminal side is copper Barvasi I think um and he's like the head macho of the criminal underworld not even underworld more like parallel world um because everyone knows about the criminal activity that goes on in Camor and what happens in the book is that another character shows up called the Grey King and he is trying to almost get to Kaba Bavasi and take over um and kind of show his power and at the same time uh the gentleman bastards and Loch Lamora are trying to pull off this heist that they've been planning for four years and so this entire book follows the story of the heist and what happens with the grey king and Kaba Bavasi um the characters are funny witty entertaining especially as thieves and as bastards because they are definitely not 
nice people, I would say so. They are thieves, and they are very good at what they do, and that is being thieves and being bastards, I would say. Um, and the world building is very intense. That's one of the reasons that I decided to give it four out of five stars, because there were points on the novel where I thought it was almost excessive, where there are just these endless descriptions of places that don't really have a place in the story. I don't know if they have a place maybe um, in the second book because it is a series. Um, but I felt like there was a lot of stuff in the book that could be left out and still be as entertaining and fun as the other 80% of the novel without all of those weighty descriptions and because the person Scott Lynch literally named every single place in the city and put so much work in it I kind of felt like they wanted to put all of the information in the book where it wasn't really necessary to the plot there are points where it is where it is necessary but not to the point where I'm reading just a paragraph of places and names that I've never heard of before and it's really hard to remember and it kind of is almost jarring and takes you out of the narrative of the story. There are many twists and turns, which is why I said it's really good for people who enjoy elaborate con artist things, stuff. People who enjoy crimes um, where criminals pull off these really cool heists. It's just amazingly funny and interesting because they do like reveals along the journey of the story of how the, the plot twists and turns. And also how well thought out the actual heist that Locke Lamora is trying to pull off is. Um... One thing that I did find really funny is that in the book they use the word savvy. And if you've ever watched uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the movies, then all every time they said the word savvy, all I could see was Captain Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean with his um, weird, funny walk and accent and hand gestures. It was just really... Every time the word came up, I was just thrown back into watching those movies. If you haven't watched Pirates of the Caribbean, this isn't a movie recommendation show, but you should definitely watch the first three movies because they're, they're really funny and good. So on top of my book review, I've decided to start reading the first sentence of the novel that I'm reviewing just to give you guys a taste of the writing style, the author's tone and voice, just so you guys can understand what the novel kind of feels like reading. Um, I heard a YouTuber do this before and I thought it was super helpful when deciding what book to read. So I'm just going to read one sentence from The Lies of Locremora, the first sentence. At the height of the long wet summer of the 77th year of Sendovani, the thief-maker of Camor paid a sudden and unannounced visit to the eyeless priests at the temple of Peralandro, 
desperately hoping to sell him the Lamora boy. The next book that I read this month is The Caves of Steel by Isaac Asimov. I have read Asimov's work before. I read iRobot recently, very recently, I think two months ago. I loved it. Absolutely adored it. It is one of the best sci-fis that I've ever read in my entire life. And so I was really encouraged to pick up his detective series, which starts with The Caves of Steel. The Caves of Steel is set in a time in Earth's history. It's set optimistically on the fact that we haven't died of global warming yet, which I doubt we'll be able to get past. I don't know if I'm being pessimistic about that, but it is what it is. Um, And in this future of Earth and humanity, we've colonized um, the solar system um, and people called spacers, which are basically the colonists of the outer worlds that is not Earth-like Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, they are called spacers. So people who live on worlds that aren't Earth are called um, spacers. And there is a spacer colony on Earth. And there's kind of conflict between Earth and spacers because the society of Earth is quite medievalist. Even though the society they live in is vastly different from one we live now. It's about set in a thousand years in the future. Their society and how they live, work, um, play in Earth, on Earth, in these societies is vastly different from how it is now. Despite that, they have many conflicts with the spaces because spaces represent modern ideas. They don't um they aren't against robots people on earth are very against robots because they don't want robots to take over their jobs they don't want to talk to robots there's this very anti-robot mentality on earth as compared to in the outer worlds where robots are very useful and so what happens is in one of the spacer colonies on earth a space ambassador is killed, uh, murdered, and a Earth detective from New York City is asked to solve the mystery, and his name is Elijah Bailey, and he is given a robot partner named Daniel Oliver, and his name is not spelt Daniel Oliver, it's Daniel Olivao. But it's actually supposed to be said Dan- Daniel Oliver. It's just spelt really differently. I don't know if that's just a quirky thing that they decided to do to make it really interesting. But we'll just call the robot Daniel. We like kind of have these two narratives. One where Daniel and Elijah have to learn to work together as a robot and a human. Especially because Daniel looks like a human. And Elijah doesn't like like robots, one, because he's from Earth, and two, the fact that the robot looks human. And so you have this conflict that Elijah has to go through to get used to Daniel and 
understand Daniel and learn to work with him so that they can solve the murder. And then two, trying to work out who and why a spacer would be killed. It's a really fun whodunit. Very short. I finished it in two days. I give it five five out of five, but that's probably because I'm extremely biased towards Asimov. I would probably read every single book that he's ever published and love all of them. Um, One thing to point out, there is sexism in this book, especially towards Elijah's wife. So when you read it, just think in your head, no, Asimov, that is not, that is not right. That is not right at all. I found his book, iRobot, a lot more, less sexist. There is slight tinges of it some, sometimes, especially at the beginning. But overall, it, re- it does have a strong representative female character in the novel. So... It doesn't have any of that. In this one, Elijah's wife definitely is portrayed in a really sexist way. So just a note on that. But why I love Asimov's books is because it is the most fascinating study of stereotypes, biases, prejudice, um, propaganda, racism. It just... It's so hilarious to see Asimov so accurately take the bias and racism and sexism that we have with each other in humanity and put it in a context that makes it so blaringly obvious. Because you see the stereotypes that they have towards robots and you think, how absolutely horrible is that we do that to human beings instead? And I find that... Nobody does that stereotypes and bias and reflects it in such a clever way as Asimov does because he is a chemist, I think. So he does write the world in such a realistic way that you you absolutely believe that it is 100% possible that this will be us in a thousand years. But also that the social constructs kind of carry over and also transform at the same time and nobody asks those philosophical questions about if we can't treat each other with respect how we expect to get along with the robots with intelligence that we make and that's why I love Asimov's writing so much especially iRobot I didn't like The Caves of Steel as much as iRobot, so if I'm going to recommend something, please read iRobot and read it to the end. The end chapter is so good. So good. And also, I just love how much I can see everything that we are now as a society transformed into something that is us in the future and it is 100% believable so five out of five I will be reading the next novel in the series and I'll let you know how that goes and now the first sentence of Caves of Steel Elijah Bailey had just reached his desk when he became aware of R. Sammy watching him expectantly before I move on to the third book that I read this month I just wanted to 
clarify two things. The first is is that Isaac Asimov wanted to write Caves of Steel and many of the sci-fi books um, that he has produced in response to the backlash of automation and technology at the time that people seemed to villainize or think as evil because they were taking jobs, they were advancing the world forward and new things can be quite scary and so to battle this fear rising up in the general population and kind of show people what technology could and is rather than what we try and think it to be um and so in response he wrote all of these novels as a way to show people that what we understand of robotics and artificial intelligence is not really based on what it is but rather our fears of what it is um doing and kind of pushing us out of our comfort zones so when i make the analogy of asimov's um discussions on robotic and human relationships in terms of artificial intelligence it is purely speculative um if he did intentionally do that then it's brilliant but it's more of my take on how this book can be interpreted in so many different ways beyond artificial intelligence and our relations with one another and discrimination and bias then two in terms of sexism in books it's really quite difficult to discuss as a topic because I've noticed as I read more classics more um, literature by men in the I would say early earlier than I'd say 2000s it's predominantly clear that there is this portrayal of women and this idea of women that men like to portray. And when I say sexism in books, I bring it to the attention of people reading the books when it isn't something where the author is trying to dissect. The author is not, I would say, not trying to justify why it is wrong. Where The author just puts it in there for a reason I know is not to the benefit of those reading to know that sexism is bad. So if you think about sexism, it's more in books, in books, it's more about like the male gaze. Things like, um, oh, she did this because she's a woman. But it's written in a way where you know that this is not coming from a person who thinks that women are equals or is wanting to portray this opinion as wrong, or is just, I would say there are certain points in a novel where you can tell that the author is setting up the story in such a way as to prove these people wrong, even if it isn't direct, or um, even if it isn't something that's immediately called out. Um, It's more of a thing where you subtly know that this person intentionally put something in a book that is I would say racist um 
sexist, misogynistic, um, homophobic. You know that the way that the novel is set out is to discourage this. Or they are aware of what they are putting in the book. And they use it in a way that seems like they know that the thing that they are saying is wrong and not justifiable. Whereas if you read these novels by especially classic male authors, you can tell that they just put it in there because they think that that's just the right way to do things. And it is never called out. It is never um, thought of as wrong and it is never spoken about or there is no connotations around the words and around the passage and the piece that indicate that what they are saying is wrong. And that's what you, that kind of almost a intuition or second sense in a novel when you read it, you're like, this person intentionally did this because of their previous bias and previous um, prejudice and racism, sexism, misogyny. And you know that they have done that. And in those books, you're like, that is wrong. And you have to kind of internalize that when you read. Because even if you love a book, even if I love Isaac Asimov's writing and novels, I know what he says in his novels are sexist. And when I read it, I should be proactive in telling people when I think that he is being sexist and not trying to discuss sexism and bring sexism to light um, in his novels. And so when you have that feeling about an author where you think this person's being sexist and not in a way that I know is trying to be progressive about it or trying to discourage it or kind of contain it in such a way that the reader kind of subtly gets that this is not right then you must listen to your intuition because most of the time you are right unfortunately and the more I read classic authors the more that these things are going to come up and be brought to my attention and it's important to be made aware that these books were written in a time where it is unacceptable but also that there are novels nowadays that that still happens where specifically a male um, author or protagonist is kind of using this platform to kind of, I don't know, fill out some fantasy of themselves. So guys, just be careful about that because so many times while I've been reading that has been brought to my attention and the more I read nowadays... Um, in my novels the more prominent it becomes especially um, as I read more female authors and very progressive um, intelligent female authors who just know how to write a book and then you just think so many times I've seen this portrayed by a man and I felt uncomfortable now I know why I felt uncomfortable. So moving on from that little side note, footnote in this podcast is my next book, which is Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman. This book follows the story of Armageddon. <laughs> and 
It follows the story of this angel named Aziraphale and this demon named Crowley who have been alive and on earth for as long as humans have existed. And they've grown really comfortable in their lives alongside humans and with each other, one could say. And so when it finally becomes time for Armageddon to happen, which is part of this great plan that demons and angels seem to know, they set out to stop it because they don't want to let go of these new lives that they've started. This book is absurd. It is insane. It is basically two guys who got drunk and were like, let's just do this. If we're going to write a book, let's make it wild. I wouldn't say that it's insane. I wouldn't say it's like absolutely insanity incarnated into a book. I have read books like that. Actually, I've read one book like that and it has scarred me for life. There is a spectrum, I would say, of books on the insanity scale. At the bottom of the book scale, you have really just normal books. People, books everyone reads. Normal books. <laughs> then you move up a little and you like have a little bit more strange, whimsical books that push the boundaries of maybe genres, uh pushes the boundaries of narrators, characters, all of that, blah, 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 blah. Then you have a little bit further, which is like, you know, it's marginally confusing and kind of um, you question the author's sanity while reading it and you wonder, is this person okay? Then just past that, and it's just a hair's width past that, is absolute insanity. And you think... What drugs was this person taking when they were writing this book? There is one book that I've read like that. And it is Star Island by Carl Heisen. And I love this guy. He has written some of my favorite young adult novels like Holes, um, Hoot. What else is it? They're all named weird things. And he's great. But then he wrote this novel and oh my gosh, I was like, what is going on? Is he okay? Thank goodness you stopped writing like this. I cannot read this anymore. And I still own that book. And I have a, I have a sense that I might just go and throw in the pool and then burn it. Actually, I would prefer to incinerate it. But we can't do that. It is now shoved in the corner of my bookshelf. And so I would say Good Omens is that good kind of crazy if there is something like that where it's just below the line of crazy where you kind of explore the idea of what books can be and what literature is and why we set all these weird rules about what a novel can and can't be. The only problem I had with this book is because I watched the TV series Good Omens before I read the novel. So they're actually really, really similar in my mind. But if you read the book or watch the show, it's really, it isn't any different. There's just some extra funny things that happen in the book that are really entertaining that I would have liked to have seen come up in the 
um, TV show, but overall, I think it's got a healthy dose of absurdity, humor, wit, um, stupidity. To be honest, there is some stupidity in it. There's nothing wrong with that. And I just enjoy the way that the authors kind of just, you know, they were like, screw it. Let's just write what we want to write. Let's just write what we want to see in the world. It is really funny. I think it's quite refreshing for someone who generally reads pretty reflective, slow, like somber, like oh, emo, <laughs> I would say, books. Because it kind of is like, don't take yourself too seriously. One point I have to say is that it is, has, it does have a lot of biblical themes, biblical stories, passages from the Bible, um, and Christianity and themes from Christianity, and kind of takes its liberty with it. So if you are very strongly religious, I don't know how you would feel about this book, but it does have very important themes that I think that it also expressed at the same time um, while kind of taking biblical ideas and kind of going with it. So I gave it four out of five and that is totally because I was bored because I had read it before, not because of the actual novel itself. The actual novel, I think, is probably a 5 out of 5. But it also depends on your opinion, because if you want a novel that's going to treat itself seriously, then this is not this is not the book for you. But it is very intelligently put together. It's not the sort of crazy way you think this author just wanted to be unique or these authors just wanted to be unique and put throw some things together that were just insane, like Star Island. Um, but it's very well thought out. The wit is very well thought out. So I would give it a 5 out of 5 objectively. I gave it a 4 out of 5 because I was kind of bored. Um, then to read a passage from the book... I think I chose I chose one specific for this one because I don't think that the first sentence is going to do justice to how kind of weird this book is. So I'm just going to I'm just going to read a piece of the novel because I feel like you'll understand what I mean after I read it. Okay. Most of the members of the convent were old-fashioned satanists like their parents and grandparents before them. They'd been brought up in it and weren't, when you got right down to it, particularly evil. Human beings mostly aren't. They just get carried away by the new ideas, like dressing up in jackboots and shooting people, or dressing up in white sheets and lynching people, or dressing up in tie-dye jeans and playing guitars at people. Do you get what I'm saying? Do you understand now? Because I clearly do from reading that passage. It is very early in the book, so don't worry about spoilers. You you get what I'm saying now? Yep. Yep. I think we all get it. Um, what I meant by absurd. Okay, moving on. And the final book that I've read in the month of August is the sequel to Scythe called Thunderhead by Neil Shusterman. So... 
the story is set in this futuristic society, I would say, where people cannot die. Um, so you can jump off a building, jump in front of a car, and you would be utterly decimated, but you can't actually die because people have the technology to bring you back to life. And then there's also this artificial intelligence, I would say, that controls the entire world called the Thunderhead. And the Thunderhead controls all aspects of your life, as well as if you decide to jump off a building, they'll scrape you off the floor and take you to what's called a revival center, or they'll control how you find things on the internet or how you get to places. And it's almost this autonomous brain thinking for you and doing everything for humanity and kind of really shaved off the inconsistencies like things don't not work in the society things don't break down because within two seconds the thunderhead has already seen the problem and has sent robots out to fix it and there's also this pervasiveness of um the thunderhead in terms of privacy there's no conversation that they can't hear no um, discussion they can't intercept and there's almost nothing you can hide from the thunderhead except before the thunderhead decided to go online there was a small group called the scythes and the scythes would um would be totally separate from the Thunderhead. The Thunderhead cannot interfere in Scythe's business. They cannot control Scythe's. Scythe's are totally governed like humanity nowadays. And the Thunderhead is banned and was programmed to never interfere in their business. And that is kind of a law that it cannot break. Um, and the Scythe's are responsible for what they call gleaning people and this is because people can't die so size automatically are kind of what you would call the mortality rate of humanity where they are given a quota every month and they have to kill a certain amount of people completely randomly the actual system is described very extensively in the book and so there's this entire society of scythes that are responsible for removing people from the earth and gleaning people as they would call it and i'm just going to give the beginning of the story in scythe the first novel because if you haven't read the first one then this anything i say now will be kind of a spoiler so in the first book these two teenagers one named citra and another rowan are chosen as scythe's apprentices um, to become a scythe um, and it kind of follows the story of them entering the scythe I would say com I wouldn't call it a community because it's not a community the scythe council and all of that and how they got involved in it but there's this underlying tension in the scythe um, world that people are doing things incorrectly because remember as long as there isn't this artificial intelligence the thunderhead that's controlling the scythe there's no 
total body of authority that can see all and prevent all like the thunderhead so just like corruption nowadays you can't find it until it's too late or until you have proof because the thunderhead is banned from ever revealing any information about corruption or interfering in that corruption or negligence so citra and rowan are kind of stuffed into this world that is kind of going skew without the thunderhead's involvement i would admit that this book has a bit of a i would call sequel sickness people always talk about how the sequel is never as good as the first novel because it's almost especially in a trilogy it's almost like a i would say a gateway to the last book um but i neil schusterman i've always enjoyed their writing i really enjoyed scythe the first time that i read it i think it's one of the best young adult science fiction novels i've ever read and um i've read actually i don't think i've read that quite that much but it's really good however i did give it four out of five as compared to the five out of five i gave the first novel um and i think that's partially because when i read scythe the first time it was together with i robot by isaac asimov and so i had these two books kind of i would say complementing each other really well um and because of the concept of um a total authoritarian body being represented in both i kind of the lines blurred when i read both of them so i don't know if i would read scythe again and say that it was a 5 out of 5 because of how much i loved i robot and also the way that they portray the thunderhead because um in the first novel you don't really get to see much of the thunderhead but there are excerpts i would say in the second novel where these little i would say diary entries but i wouldn't say that cuz it's quite it's like these little nuggets of essays or thoughts of the thunderhead in the second book and i think the thunderhead and this new character i think grayson toliver i think it's toliver that's introduced in thunderhead that saves the novel from like being actually bad because you kind of rowan and citra not much is like i wouldn't say not much because they are quite a few um i would say plot twists they are really they are a couple and some of them were actually really surprising so i think the plot twists along with some like narrative from the thunderhead made the novel interesting um where it would have been i would say suffer more from sequel sickness then i'm going to just read a passage from the first novel because as i said before anything i read from the second novel is just going to be um just pointless we must by law keep a record of the innocents we kill Yeah it's it it's not that depressing as this first sentence makes it sound but yeah And that is it for August it was really fun to read about thieves 
robots, artificial intelligence with the god complex. What else did I read? Jeez, I've forgotten all of the books that I read this month, actually. Oh, Angels, Demons. It was really fun to read fantasy and sci-fi um, this month, but I will say that I probably won't be reading any more soon. I'm finding that my want-to-read pile of books has a suspiciously high number of fantasy novels, which kind of gives me... Um, young adult fiction and teen fiction flashbacks from my childhood I think I read too much of it and now I'm either addicted or repulsed by the genre genre in general but we'll just have to see I'm split between two very interesting topics that I'm that I'm thinking about and I won't say them now but just know that you have to get excited for next month's book review i hope everyone is staying safe happy and healthy and if you are none of those things please do your best to get there (laughs) Uh, okay well i'll see you guys next month